Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your team, grow your business, and grow your life. Today is Lucky 13, episode 13, and the title is Who's Holding Your Rope? What it takes to build a magical team culture. Our special guest today is Joe Schmutzny from Centric Consulting, and Joe's going to share a little bit of the Centric story an organization that's worked completely remotely from day one and now 21 years later has almost a 1,000 employees and has created a magical experience for its clients and its team members. And Joe today is going to share the secret sauce. He's going to talk about how important it is to be purposeful in building that culture and specifically committing to building a culture of family, caring, and excellence. He's going to talk about the role of vulnerability in leadership, how important it is to be open as a leader to even that most painful feedback. He's going to talk about the vital role of storytelling in creating, enhancing, and sustaining a people-first culture. And he's even going to talk about what some of us would call the holy grail, having close personal relationships with your team members and doing business in a fabulous way. So get ready to be inspired to learn some new, very tangible ways that you can have more impact with your team, with your organizations, and your clients and customers. Get ready for the Impact Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Well, we're excited to be here today and we've got a good friend of mine here. I consider a very special guest. Joe Schmutzny is here. Locked away during the coronavirus pandemic, as we all are, but here with us today on Zoom with Craig and I to talk about all things leadership. So welcome, Joe. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Craig. Glad to have you. Thanks so for I don't know how long I've known Joe. I, I'm sure if I had a calendar, I could figure out, but it's got to be at least 15 years, 12 to 15 yep. years, somewhere in there. About 15. I've known yeah. Joe through business, but we met through a mastermind group. That was I was in for almost 20 years until I moved and left town about six months ago. But Joe has had a very diverse career. He started with a consulting firm, was became a COO of a startup very early in his career. Somewhere in there was CIO of a very large community college. He's now with an organization called Centric, which he'll tell us more about. And you know, Joe's the other thing I want to tell you about Joe is Joe is. Of all the people I've ever met in my life, Joe is the most committed father I've ever met in terms of very intentionally being the best father and husband that he can be. And he puts it into action. He's thoughtful about it. I would say I've had more conversations with Joe about fatherhood than business in the years I've known him. Wow. Welcome, Joe. And thanks for all. Thanks for all you've already been in the world. Thank you. Yeah. So, Joe, give us a little bit and our listeners a little bit of the Joe story. 
<laughs> sure that uh, almost brought a tear to my eye with the the, the dad and husband thing because I do put a lot of effort into that, and as yeah. you know, I'm a planner, so I'm very intentional about everything. Um, so that, I'll I'll leave that as it is because that's good enough. Um, but on the I say the professional side of things, um, you'd already mentioned kind of the big consulting, the startup, the small consulting, the you know, fast growth company, CIO, try to do lots of different things because I was kind of the um, the Pippin corner of the sky, you know, looking for where I really need to be type of thing. And uh, eccentric is it. it. It's all about culture. And it's all about people. And so this is the longest I've ever been with the company and I intend to retire here. <clears throat> um, but, uh, you know, in kind of the backdrop of that professional uh, maturation process, uh, I didn't come from uh, like a fancy background. You know, dad was you know climbing in holes and climbing up poles. Um, and then after he worked his tiny off to put a roof over the head and food on the table for 35 years, he got the letter that said, either take an early retirement or uh, we're going to lay you off. And um, <laughs> so one of the things that's been driving me to, to kind of be where I was, because we lived in a not so great neighborhood and a time in Cleveland when rivers were catching fire and cars were blowing up. Um, but uh, you get the letter that said you, either you get this nice little diamond watch or a grandfather clock. And so we got the picked the grandfather clock. And when it showed up, it was in this big fragile box, you know, it's, <laughs> and you take all the straw and, and there's this clock in the bottom. We lived in this tiny shoebox home in Euclid, Ohio, and we put, put it in the corner. And it was there for many years until my dad passed away, which is right around the time I met Jeff so 15 years ago or whatever. And my mom was like, Hey, do you want that clock? And so we just moved in this, bigger house in Kirtland and, and I put it in the foyer as a reminder of like, mm. never work for someone's, uh, someone else's purpose that you don't believe in. Wow. Work for your own purpose. You only have to answer to you and to God. And so even when I would walk my boys by that grandfather clock in the foyer, I'd tell them the story. We never turned the grandfather clock on. Just <laughs> tell them the story of like, you know, never work for the person, right? Work for yourself and, and do what you need to do in life to be proud as a father, a husband, whatever you're going to do. Um, and so everything I've been doing is kind of down those lines. So the stories that we're going to talk about today is, you know, you know, you got this big chip on your shoulder. I always got the straight A's. I always made the team. I always worked 80 hours to get where I was. And all of a sudden the wheels on my little red wagon of centric were starting to wobble. And I'm like, no, 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 please don't. <laughs> you can't let this fail. This is it. Right. And so kind of went to some extraordinary means to, uh, make some course corrections. And I think we're, we're on the path to a uh, hundred years of success. So Joe, hey, Joe. Um, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Craig. So Joe, can you tell us a little bit about what centric is? Sure. I mean, we're, we're a business and technology consulting company, <clears throat> uh, management consulting gets uh, around a thousand people now um, grow about 10% each year. And we're in 12 different cities in the U S in an office in India. We're a hundred percent virtual except for the office in India. And we've always been virtual, been around 21 years. And uh, our secret sauce is our culture. It's the way you treat people and creating unmatched clients and, and employee experiences. Um, all of us at Centric work for the, the big firms and the startups. And you know, a lot of times people don't like consultants. Um, but we want our experience to be like when you take your family to Disney. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, you're like, you know something? I actually want to hug that person. And I actually want to be, <laughs> want to be their friend. And then 100 years later, because we're never going to go public or be bought, so we've got different motivating factors, we actually, people like to hang around with us, <laughs> and our employees like to be with us, so we've got the lowest turnover in consulting industry. Um, people stay with us for a long time. 
uh, turnover like less than 10%, which is unheard of in consulting. So um, it's what we do is probably not magical, but the ways in which we do it is absolutely magical. Hmm. Well, Joe, I, and I have to say this, a lot of people can be listening and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people say this, but I can be, give testimony because I've sat with Joe. When did you join Centric? Uh, 11 years ago. So 11 years ago. And I remember sitting in Mastermind when Joe was making this decision whether to join Centric. And I've been in sitting in Mastermind retreats all these years, him having him talk about the culture. And I will tell you, it's the real deal. And in fact, the, the biggest feedback that we've ever given as a mastermind to Joe is just make sure you pay attention as you grow to how you keep it because you have something right now that's incredibly special when you were at a hundred people total. And we just said, look, it's going to get harder when you get bigger, but there never once was there anything that he talked about that was out of alignment with what he just said of their culture. And it is so unique. And I think what I love what you said about magic because I think people need to understand it's not a magic pill. And, you know, you say secret sauce. We say those things. The secret sauce isn't the outcome. The secret sauce is how you do it and you create a magical outcome. Yeah, and right. I've seen it firsthand. So, you know, I, I first of all want to applaud Centric and your whole team because it's a rare case when I see people walking the talk. of pe We call it people first. Right. Excellent. Thank you. So, Joe, we talked a little bit offline. Talk about, jump into the story. You've gone through an interesting ride the last three or five years. You know, you sort of on that, you were on that meteoric rise. <laughs> I mean, you started the Cleveland office, Northeast Ohio office, and it was all, all rocket ship. And then there was a sputter. I'm going to call it a sputter. So talk to us about, you know, the sputter and, what that led to and share. Sure, that's a great lead in. Um, thank you. So uh, you're right, I'll, actually I'll start off with the, the good part. You know, it was end of 2008, really bad economy, not when you want to start a business. That's when we started the, uh, the, the uh, Cleveland office. <clears throat> and for three or four years, when you say meteoric rise, I mean, it was, it was a wild, fun ride. We were growing. It was, it was the hockey stick. It was profitable. The team was engaged. I mean, everybody was excited. Everything was new. Um, you should just feel it. And, and, you know, we had a bit of an ego and a chip on our shoulder. You know, being from Cleveland, we had to beat all the other, other cities. You know, we were a little <laughs> bit competitive. Um, and we were. We were just knocking it out of the park. But then I would say, was it 2015 or so? Um, one of my advice that I'll give at the end is like, trust your gut. Um, having been through all those other experiences and companies, something just wasn't feeling quite right. And it's hard to explain. Nobody else, I don't think anybody else is feeling it. Um, but like that beautiful little red wagon I had talked about, the wheels started to wobble a little bit. And I'm like, I need to look into this. Well, then we got our employee satisfaction surveys back and we do surveys all the time and we do lots of different things with our teams to make sure that we're taking a pulse and, and knowing if something's not quite right. And it came back um, not good. <laughs> it wasn't terrible, but in our standards, it was, it was lower than the other business units. So I'm like, this isn't good. Then I had two team members resign that I really respected. And I said, uh oh, something's not right here. Again, I don't think anybody really realized it. So I called up our president and I said, hey, this is gonna sound crazy, but um, I know you're a little busy <laughs> running a company. 
but uh, can you poke around a little bit? And I didn't want to call it a witch hunt, but I, I said I wanted to get feedback that I'd never got before. And um, I'd been doing everything that I had been doing for the last 25 years that had always worked, right? Mm -hmm. Hard charging, aggressive, you know, fired up, charismatic, whatever you need to be. Um, and he poked around for about six months and he came back and um, uh, kind of being over the end in mind, we ended up making some organizational changes and we ended up really spending a lot of time focused on the team. But before we did that, um, I decided I needed to work on Joe because mm -hmm. what gets you to a certain point in your career and makes you really successful, if you are part of an organization where that bar is you know, twice as high and you really need to put people first, there are things you probably need to change. You, yeah, can't have an ego, you can't have an ego the size of a Sherman tank. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, that's one of the best decisions anybody can make is, you know, let's work on ourselves first. Yeah, well, it's a little painful. You talk about being oh, it vulnerable. Is. Well, we talk about being vulnerable, but um, doing that is a different thing. Um, and so Larry, our president, mentor, friend of mine, he came back and I remember sitting, uh, it, this is a guy he spent, I don't know how many countless hours getting feedback, driving from Columbus to Cleveland, sitting down with me and talking. But he knew this was really important because he knew that we needed to fix something on the team and we didn't know it was broken yet. And when, and when I say broken, it wasn't like heinously broken. I, like I said, these are things where there were tweaks. Uh, but he, he sat down and he goes, hey, Joe, dude, uh, this is going to sting a little bit. <laughs> I go, you go, okay. And then he proceeded to basically give me the hardest feedback I ever gotten in my life. Um, and, uh, so we put together a plan and, and again, this, this was not bad stuff. It was just stuff that I had been doing and it's been, it always got me the big bonuses and the promotion. All of a sudden it wasn't because I needed to work for the hundred year plan, yeah. not the five or 10 year plan. Um, so we put together a plan I worked on two things at a time. Uh, it was two year plan. And, uh, as I was working on stuff, these are blind spots. Um, and if I started breaking my own rules, I'd have someone give me a, little hint, like if I was being too uh, overbearing in a meeting, I go tug on your ear. And if, uh, <laughs> if I was micromanaging somebody, like put your hand on my left shoulder or something. So we had a little, <laughs> um, but it was, it was, it was cool. It's like working out. I love fitness. And, uh, you know, every time you want to try something new, you got to stretch new muscles and you're a little sore for a couple of days. But then when you do that next race, you you perform at the next level higher. You refer to feedback and vulnerability, which I think is such an important connection because I firmly believe that vulnerability is one of the biggest issues lacking in leadership. Mm -hmm. And too often the leaders don't understand what it is. And what you just gave is a great example. Being really op fully open to that stinging feedback, yeah. that's vulnerability. It's not necessarily about, people think it's about emotions, but it was really about being open, number one. And I think it's really important that you actually asked for it. Mm. Yeah, because and, and what was really cool, I think this is a big miss in business or in so many things. You said most people didn't notice and no one knew what was going on, including you, but something was off. Mm -hmm. You didn't, and so you didn't have a huge issue that was apparent. You just said something's off. And you, I love what you said. You referred to the red, the red wagon with a wobbly wheel. And I think a lot of businesses have a wobbly wheel but they don't do anything about it because it's not a big deal and it's not obvious. And maybe it requires the owner to look at themselves or the leader. But I think it's so important because a, a red wagon with a wobbly wheel is not really the red wagon you want. Mm -hmm. 
And I think too many companies are waiting for this ca catastrophic thing. Well, we've got this big issue or say, well, you know what? We're a our team could be a little better, except saying your team could be a little better means you've got a couple wobbly wheels. And what that ri what's that ride going to be like? So I love that you trusted yourself to say something's off. Let's take a look at it. And you started with yeah. you. Right. You didn't say, Let's ro what's wrong with the team? You said, what's off with me? And number two is, even though it seems small, you took action on it. Hmm. That to me is, those are, those are game changers in business, and they're not happening all the time. Hmm. Yeah, and you don't want to let the wheels fly off the red wagon. And I think sometimes people do that, and they have to understand that um, feedback and, and this, this, whatever you want to call it, it's a gift. And you have to receive it like a gift. And when people give you the gifts, that means you can get the ugly socks that someone bought on the way over to your house for Christmas, <laughs> or you can, or you can get the very thoughtful gift that someone had planned all year for. Uh, that is, is something that's it's all about the intention. Um, and so you have to take each piece of feedback as the type of gift that it is. And some you take more seriously than others. Yeah. Um, so yes, I thank you for saying that. Um, and you have to. Uh, I think when one does this too, maybe something I, I didn't mention this, but it's the investment is it's way more than double of what you think it's going to be. Um, as long as it takes to kind of screw that screw into the wood, it's going to take you about just as long to unscrew it. And the problem is when you start to look into what the problems are, you don't know how long you've been putting the screw in. You don't know how long it's going to take to get it out. Hmm, that's a good point. That's awesome. Um, you know, I think there, you, there's another vulnerability piece in here. I just realized, Joe, that I want to highlight. When you were looking to change how you were leading and how you were communicating, you sought the people around you, people who report to you, and you, not, and you gave them permission to help you get better. Right. And you showed them ways to do it. And, and both of those are often missed. It's really tough to get feedback up. But you went to the people, I'm gonna, and I know you, I know because you had built trust before that made it a little easier to happen. But I also love the simple things you said. You, you talked about a tug of an ear, a hand on the shoulder, because a lot of times what I find is you want the team to give you feedback, but the only way they can give it to you is they've got to come up with a long explanation and they're not sure what to say. So I often encourage teams to have a, like a word, for example, or a little question so they could say, Hmm, are you micromanaging now? Like there's, but you have a set thing that they can use. So they don't have to figure out how to talk to the boss about something that maybe the boss is missing. I love that. And I, that to me is again, more vulnerability and that's vulnerability in action. Right. And simplicity at the same time. Yeah. So Joe, you tell us, so you got this feedback, you started on your journey of change. And you referenced it at start. It also then led to some organizational changes. Sure. Um, so when I started working on my stuff, uh, at the same time, we, I'm going to, this is going to be oversimplified in terms of the process we took, but um, all of the partners, and there were four in this business unit at the time, each one of us spent time with each employee. And at the time in this business unit, there were about 25 people. Um, but we had each person spend a couple hours putting together a professional plan and sort of explaining how they're feeling about things in general. Um, we have a, it's a 
it's kind of like a family feel organization, culturally speaking. So people are closer. Uh, there's definitely a blend of professional and personal together. So we wanted to see how people were feeling. And then we sat down with each person, all four of us together for at least an hour. And then uh, we had follow-up sessions and we documented a plan so we could hold each other accountable. And so we're talking about in a business where you know every billable hour is money. Um, this is thousands of hours. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a significant investment of time. And we also went through um, uh, uh, Patrick Lencioni as the advantage process to try and dig into some of the like the whys and the dysfunctions and whatnot. And that was probably a 18 month, almost two year process. Um, so again, if you say, well, things started happening in 2015, 16, that didn't feel so good. And then we started working on it in 2016 and 17. Um, and we learned a lot when we talked to all of the employees, team members, we learned so much about ourselves and about them and their dreams and aspirations. Their, you know, what really makes them tick? Because we have our why and our purpose that we all, we all live to, but each one of those people had their purpose too. And so we learned what that was. Well, in that process too, we found out that some people, their purpose did not align with ours. Hmm. Or they had a vision and a dream that we couldn't make happen for them. Hmm. And it wasn't that anybody was a bad person. Not, not at all. They were great people. But you don't want to lead somebody on to make them think that we're going to give them their dream if you can't. Right. And if their purpose is to basically do something else with their life, you don't want to chase them away because they're maybe a good employee. You just have to say, that's your dream. You need to go get it. Right. And so these are kind of hard, <laughs> hard messages. It's like talking with your family about this stuff. Um, but again, you fast forward then to kind of that 2018, right? Getting into 2019, we had some people that had to move on. Um, some moved on on their own accord and they, they are living their dream in a different way. Uh, other people we just had to let go. And one of them happened to be a, a friend of mine. Um, I had known him for over 20 years. Hmm. Uh, we had worked together essentially in four different uh, organizations. Um, and we're close. I mean, we're friends. And letting someone like that go is, I, I would say that is the number one most professional, painful professional thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but to get to where you need to go, we had to make certain changes. And by the way, he was one of those people that like, he's a top 10 and people I respect in the world, but his dream was not going to come true doing what he was doing because um, yeah. there are certain changes he wasn't willing to make. And so now that we're in 2020, <laughs> we are, we're hopefully in the last thread of the screw coming out. Um, mm -hmm. And all of those changes have been made and our succession plan is rock solid and we actually have people lined up and for that hundred year plan. So that's kind of where we are now. So it sounds like Joe that in, in prior roles, maybe the, more aggressive take in the, you know, the, the star performer kind of role seemed to maybe fit with those cultures a little bit differently than it did with this company. Is that the way it should out? <laughs> that, that is <laughs> hit the nail on the head and about kind of the culture of centric and the humble, uh, humble leadership, servant leader type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, when you work for this, this is, this is complimentary as well as probably not. So it was some of the big firms. I mean, you really respect your teammates because they're all really smart, good people they're all, and all type A personalities, but you're out to win, right? And it's up or out, literally up or out. That's the policy. 
Um, and when you go on a project, you, you'll work as hard as you can, but you leave a wake of dead bodies behind you on the, the large ERP implementation or whatever. Um, if you do that at Centric, you get fired. There's, it's a zero tolerance policy. And when I say you get fired, I mean, you're not hired in the first place, right, as a leader. Um, but you were just, we're just not tolerant of that stuff. If you want people to like you after the project, you can't be a jerk. And if you want people to collaborate, you, they got to want to be around you. Mm. Um, our, our executives, for example, we're, of course, we're rewarded on, you know, growth of the business and quality of work we do and retaining clients and, and the certain metrics that are obvious. We're, we're also rated on collaboration mm. and uh, employee engagement. Um, the collaboration one, it's pretty subjective, but if we don't help make the rest of the company successful and we're just worried about our business unit, yeah. you don't stick around very long. Absolutely. Well, I, th I think also one of the things that you talked about was really getting to understand the, the passions and what people were up to, what's driving them. And that is so important and something that I think a lot of leaders miss. I don't, I don't understand why they don't have those conversations. And certainly it is an investment, but without understanding that you can't really help them down the path. And that's part of what we're called to as leaders is to help our people, whether it's purely in the business or not. It takes a lot of time though, right? Yep. And it depends on, depends on what mo your motivating factors are. If you are a public company and you have to have uh, you know, financial results every quarter, you make difference uh, you make decisions differently. If you're never going to go public and you're never going to try to be bought, uh, you wake up every morning making different decisions about where you spend your time with your people and your clients. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's what helps us to be different. So would you say that the investment has paid off? You, you talked about having a magical culture, that that culture is something that has basically made you more competitive and differentiates you. And so it sounds like the investment that you made was part of what created that. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, it, you know, I told just one story. Um, yeah. Our, our uh, president's actually releasing a book. It's called <laughs> Office Optional. It's coming out in May. And um, it, he tells it. It's a lot of stories that we tell. And it's how you pass on the legacy of what we want to be like. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it is almost like listening to people tell stories about when their families went to Disney. Uh, <laughs> they're really funny stories, but uh, you, you want to be part of that team, right? You don't want somebody to be telling those stories if you're not part of them. If you're like, I want a piece of that, right? That's cool action. <laughs> and you want your clients to feel the same way. They're like, I want those folks on my team because they're going to give me something other than a process flow or a, a system implementation. They're going to actually help my culture. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we're, we're, actually, we're actually feeling a lot of that with this coronavirus stuff we are finding that we have a role in clients' lives that we didn't even know that we had. Hmm. And we even already talked about, maybe this is like a rebranding of some, some sort, because <laughs> people are calling on us for not such straightforward things, right? Because these are some weird times. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartevera. Cartevera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartevera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartevera.com. Welcome back.
you know, you said a couple things, Joe, and you're talking about public companies. And what I find interesting in that is that's certainly the case. And I think, Craig, this is your a reference you've made before to leaders can choose to play a short game or a long game. Right. But real leadership is about a long game. And I'm hearing all long game in this. You know, yeah. I've hear, I keep hearing you talk about a hundred year vision. I hear you talk about a commitment to culture, you know, investing those thousands of hours in your people in that process. Uh, you talked about, you know, the slow turn of you, you got to unturn that screw and then redo it. Those are long game thinking. So there's a, the, you know, the public companies have the quarterly thinking, and yet there are some public companies that I think do culture right. The one that popped to mind for me is Zappos. Right. Zappos is a public company, newer, but they're known for their culture. They're known for how they treat their people. They're known for investing heavily in their people. They've even got, you know, they do the, the so-called crazy things. I don't even know what their number is up to now, but I know they have a process during onboarding that after a couple of weeks, they offer everyone a check. In the beginning, it was like $2,500 and they offer them a check to quit. So if you quit now, here's a bonus for quitting. And they had to keep raising it because they found that too many people that weren't good fits were getting through. Mm-hmm. And so, so what I'm thinking is I don't know that we're, none of us are inside of those companies, but to me, there's got to be a deep, deep layered commitment to culture, despite the need for quarterly numbers. And you talk about Zappos and Zappos actually publishes a culture book every year where they go through and they, they talk about the different aspects of their culture. They have stories from employees and all sorts of things like that. And it, and it reinforces. So I think that's pretty interesting. Well, I, and um, that, what you point out is there are facts actually to prove that when you do those things with your team, it actually does improve financial results. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, so there's, there's a reason to make that investment. But it's like any other large investment. It takes a lot of work. Um, we have something. I mentioned our purpose. Our purpose actually is to create unmatched clients and employee experiences. Um, we've got these little stickers that uh, you can't see, but it says UMCX centric unmatched client experience, and we just kind of stick them everywhere. Um, and we've got a database where if you've got a, a magical magical moment, uh, you post your unmatched client or employee experience. You can even do it on your phone real quick. And I don't know how many thousands we're up to right now, um, but we then we celebrate those stories when we get together as a company because since we're 100% virtual, we have three times a year we get together, a couple of meetings, one big holiday party where you bring a guest and everyone stays the whole weekend and we party together and we share these stories. Um, and awesome. then one other way we share them is we have we have new employees, we have an orientation session. I have to explain this for give me 30 seconds. It's called the couch, and it's called the couch because mm-hmm. When we started the company, the founders of the company uh, were sitting on one of those old rental couches you get when you have these uh, corporate apartments, when you're on these projects where you're working 80 hours, and they're sitting there drinking their cheap beer going, this is not the life. And so they started talking about what would it be like if you created a company and structured it such that it had to be around for at least 100 years, could never be bought, could never go public, and what would it feel like, and what would the culture be like? Wow. So we've got all these stories that we tell them at the couch. So the partners, we facilitate this. And so you've got the top people in the company. We just tell stories basically for two days and go through exercises so people can really start to feel what it's like to see those magical moments. And then they go out and they create the magical moments and they, they post them on the, on the website. So 
Love it. Yeah, yeah, Joe, this is, this is what you're describing is what part of era, our new company is all about yeah. building companies, just the way you're talking about. And there's so precious few of them. And, you know, when I reached out to you about the podcast, I, I'm going to just say this, you were sort of like, why me? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, this well, is why, yeah. because this is the story that needs to be told. And it's interesting. You were talking about the financial returns because that's exactly what Craig, we did a podcast, our second one, I think it was Craig, looking at the different priorities you can make in your business and what's the payoff, not just in money, but there are financial returns from putting your people first right. versus putting money or clients first and, and your people second or third. And clearly centric has said, you're walking the talk. Our people are first. And I'm actually going to send you a book, Joe, we had just this week, we had, or last week, we had Stan Phelps on, a friend of ours mm -hmm. who wrote a number of books. And one book is called Red Goldfish, which is about building businesses on purpose. And he was talking about a statistic that said that companies that are built and operate on purpose typically have multiple returns from every other kind of business up to 10 and 12 times. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yet, how many businesses real? And I mean, just that whole couch discussion. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant and so refreshing yes. to hear that that happened because I think too often people are sitting on the couch and say, I want a better couch. So, how do I get a more expensive couch? I got to go make money. Let's go start something and figure out how to make money and, and, and create, sometimes actually create financial success or some measure of it. Yeah. But like you said, leaving people in the wake. And it sounds like what you've done is really instead of saying, okay, we're going to take humanity out of the business and just focus on the numbers, you've put, made sure that humanity is the center of the business so that you can build lives and reach the numbers. And again, it's not that the numbers aren't measured and they're not important. We've got to make money as a business. But I will tell you that the dollars and cents are not how we make our decisions when we wake up every morning at all. Um, and yet you're getting the numbers. Right. I think I should send you guys a picture of the couch. We actually still have it. <laughs> um, and we, we kind of rotated around to different places uh, just to remind ourselves of kind of where we came from and why we're here. We're a very, we're a very flat organization and um, if we, there, there's no hierarchy. And uh, so the coach, the couch kind of floats to whoever wants to keep it in their garage or their basement at any point in time. <laughs> Well, Joe, it sounds like you're also at Centric, not only allowing, but being sort of intentional around doing something that a lot of companies say you can't do. And that is, you talked about a family, you talked about having friends, you have really close personal relationships with the people you work with. And there are a lot of leaders today who still say, can't do it, should not do that. <laughs> I, so, I, this... Funny you phrase it that way. So, um, Jeff, you know that I love my boys a lot. And I respect them a lot. And they're just, like, way smarter than I am. So I asked them about a few things that I could talk about when I'm doing this podcast. And the stuff they said, I, I wrote it down. I'll share it at a different point in time. It's just way too long for this, but it's really cool. Um, one son who does rock climbing a lot said, well, the thing is, Dad, he goes, this is kind of like centric. It's not like you can be professional and or personal. You have to be both. Right. And he goes, it's kind of like when you're rock climbing, he goes, you know, 
I'm up there. It's, it's technical. It's intricate. People are watching you all the time. They can tell when you're nervous, when you're, when you're not nervous. Um, and so you have to be really good at what you do and practice and learn from other people. But before you even ever get up there, you need to know that you can trust the person that's got the rope. Hmm. And so you need to spend the time developing those relationships. So when you get up there, they may be looking at you like you're leading the way, but they're the one actually holding your rope. Hmm. Wow. You know, Joe, I think the story you told about the friend that you had to let go is speaks to this point about working closely and having personal relationships at work. Because when people ask me that question, I always say, no, if you're unwilling to have close personal relationships at work, it's because you're not confident your ability to lead through those yeah, and have, you know, have the communication you need to give the feedback and make that kind of tough decision that you had to make because I, I remember I remember you know when the mastermind you talking about that decision that was not an easy decision for you but it was the right decision and it's important to know it wasn't the right decision necessarily for me it was the right decision for the other individual too yeah. I mean truly in your heart this stuff comes from a place of love yeah um, and you, I mean like you said if you if you keep your personal and your professional life separate as a leader of an organization, you inherently are not making yourself vulnerable mm -hmm. because you're not, you're not loving the situation, you're not loving the people. And I'm not talking, you know, gushy love, but truly you care about these people and where, yes. what they're doing with their lives, right? You want Absolutely. to go out of your way to make their lives better. Right. That also makes you really vulnerable because if, if they decide to leave or they decide to do something, you're like, huh, that stinks. <laughs> I just invested a lot of time with that person. <laughs> yeah, but you know that you wouldn't go back the other way and say, okay, I shouldn't have invested that time. Oh, never. No, 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 never. And, you know, we've had so many employees, I, I wish I could keep track of this, that have left and come back. Oh, yeah, rebounders. I always say, I go, go sell your professional oats. Do what you got to do, especially if you're, um, we don't hire a lot of younger people straight out of school. Uh, but, you know, if I have somebody that's five years out of school, they never did a startup. They get with me. They're a great leadership potential. And all of a sudden, they're like, ah, I got this itch. I want to, I go, you know something? Go do what you got to do. And I will support you someday. I will either vote for you or work for you, right? or you'll be my client, <laughs> or you'll be my client. Um, but you know something? If something's not working out, call me up. I'll, I'll always be your mentor and your coach. And so we stay in touch. And next thing you know, wow. hey, Joe, guess what? <laughs> well, it's like, ah, I kind of want to move back to Cleveland. and. This isn't working out so well. I'm like, sure, come on, you know. So, at, uh, if you're going to hire him the first time, why wouldn't you hire him the second time? We, we go through a right. really intensive interview recruiting process, and a lot of it's just around culture and making sure they're a good fit for the culture. Yeah. Kind of like your Zappos example. Um, so, we want to hire people for life. So, Joe, one question. I don't know if you said it. I want to ask you about when you did all these intense processes with your people to dive deep and spend a lot of time with them and figure out their purpose, their why. What I heard in that is a lot of that process was helpful to you, but it was also in some ways self-revealing. Like the process helped you to see where people were or where they weren't that might not have happened without the process. I seem to recall there was one team member oh, who, yeah. who yeah. basically didn't do the process. <laughs> yeah, no, I could. Yeah, so, um, so that's a great example. Thanks for bringing that up. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, so everybody, 
did it to their own style, to their own extent. Some had two pages, some had six pages, whatever. And one person really didn't do anything. Hmm. And we were like, so this is somebody we had interviewed and we thought they were a good fit. I think they had gone through some life changes. Uh, and this is where you have to listen with your heart, right? You can't just yeah. listen with your ears. And you're kind of listening to this person explain why, I don't know if they didn't think they were important. It was hard to explain, but the fact that they kind of like they didn't participate, like, well, well why are you here? I mean, this, we're doing this because we're all in this together. It's like, okay, so maybe you're not in this together anymore. So let's part ways because that's can't be part of the family if you're never going to sit at the dinner table, I guess. <laughs> wow, what a great metaphor. Joe, this is, this is so awesome, and I knew it would be. I knew it would be. Thank you for all that you've shared already. We always wrap up our conversations with our guests with a couple of questions. And one of those questions is about a living person, someone that you would, uh, someone's alive today you'd love to meet, and what would you want to ask them about? <laughs> You're going to hate my answer and love my answer, maybe. Never know. So that's perfect. Answer, that means it's a perfect answer. Then. <laughs> I, asked, I asked the boys for some answers to these and I, uh, I, I took my answers and threw them out the window because I like theirs better. Uh, so. <laughs> that's, that's called good fathering. If, if your <laughs> kids can come back with better answers than you. Because <laughs> um, I, you know, I was thinking like, I have a lot of friends and colleagues that I would pick and I'm not a big, like, that's a famous person, you know, because I, I <laughs> so Jeff, like I would probably call you and ask you a question. Um, but, uh, and, and I think there are thousands of perspectives and you need to have all of those perspectives. So there's not one person in one question. I mean, literally I, I, there's not one person in one question. And if I go to, I'm going to skip to one of your other questions, I think was on the list about, uh, kind of role model, because I, I, I almost was going to answer those together. Um, and I'm thinking, what about Larry? He's our president or Dave, he's our CEO. And these, you know, and then I started about great coaches that I like Vince Lombardi and presidents like Washington and Lincoln and Charlie goes, he goes, why not you? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, if you pick yourself as a role model, he goes, you can pick all those other people and pick the things you think they're really good at and try to be those things. And then find the things that they're not good at and don't be those things. But then you kind of make it like a feedback loop, which Sam called it because he's our scientist of the family. It's like a feedback loop. So you, you sort of pick yourself as your own role model and then you evaluate how, you, how you're fitting to that role and if it's not good, then you sort of tweak it and you make it this feedback loop, right? And I think of Jeff, we talk about creating the, creating the stories you want to tell. This is like creating the person that you want to be. Wow, that is amazing. I love that answer. That, that is, wow, head exploding. <laughs> head exploding. I did not make up that answer. That's the thing. I know, that's, no, that's what's it, awesome it, about it. it. And it kind of fits with the whole idea of be the best you you can be. Yes. Wow. It's hard. And, I, and what it, I know about you, Joe. It's the execution is a hard thing, though. You get doing that's hard. Well, but what I do know about you, as we said in the beginning, you're a very intentional person. You know, you're a planner. You do it at work. You do it in your personal life. You have, and I forget what you call it, that list you have. Is it um, who you want to be? I forget what oh. you call it. <laughs> well, it's, it's just called be and i and i've and i list you know be the boy's hero be the you know the perfect partner be the servant to the community you know the revered family and friend leader in the community that yeah it's like things you want to be sort of aspirational 
So no surprise that you lead on purpose because you live on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people accuse me of planning too much, right? But they say it's a, a week a year, uh, hour a month, you know, uh, whatever. You kind of plan every year, month, week, and day. And, uh, and then you have to do that deliberate execution thing, pesky execution thing. Well, I hesitate to ask this last question because you may have already answered it, but the other question was, what's the, what's the one piece of wisdom you would offer to our listeners to have more impact in whatever their leadership role is? So I also have my list, as you all know, Jeff, of sort of the uh, words of advice to myself, like kind of the collection of the uh, phrases and whatnot that mean a lot to me. So there's, you know, probably 200 of them at this point. Um, but I think the ones I, uh, I would share is um, trust your gut and pick your partners wisely. Mm. Um, I think for those of us that have been in leadership roles for a while, um, you learn that you know 85% of the time your gut's right. And sometimes you feel certain things and sense certain things about people and situations that you don't necessarily know why. If you investigate and you ask really good, provocative questions, you'll probably figure out why you're getting that little spidey sense. Um, and so trust your gut. And one of those things you have to trust your gut about is the people you partner with. And I'm not talking about you know, your business partners, but like people you want to be at that dinner table with, pick them wisely because those are the people you're going to rely upon for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you, Joe. That's awesome stuff, Joe. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing. So is there any, we always ask our guests too, Joe, is there anything in particular you want to highlight or let people know about that's going on? I know you mentioned Larry's book coming out next month. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I'm trying to learn how to play guitar uh, for the the third time. I want to sing a song and play guitar. My my boys have taught themselves how to play guitar and they're actually really good now. Um, And that's also an area where I'm going to work on beating down my ego and making myself vulnerable because I can sing, but I can't play an instrument, especially in front of people. So, um, but if I surround myself with other musicians, they can help me. Um, definitely want to work on making mom's golden years golden. Uh, she's getting older. She's still active. She's getting up there in age. Got to take care of her. I would say this is an ongoing thing, Jeff, that you know, very know well is I moved into the city with my family about four years ago and I did it very intentionally. Um, I grew up near the city. I got married, moved into the suburbs, way out into the suburbs then, McMansion stuff, then moved back into the city. And I wanted to experience real diversity in the real world. I wanted my boys to experience that. Um, I think our dog loves it the most because she gets to go to coffee shops and and restaurants and bars (laughs) all the time. But, um, you know, my wife, Terry, has got fully immersed in the community, Uh, you know, whether it's block clubs or city council stuff. I mean, it's you get to deal with people that are in the real world. Yeah. The economic diversity, the racial diversity, the religious diversity, everything. And it is so much fun to be part of the re- revitalization of, of your hometown. Cleveland's just going gangbusters right now. Um, and kind of keeping, seeing how your life changes and your family's life changes and how they impact the world once they go to college and stuff based on what they've learned while they're living in the city. And there's nothing wrong with living in the suburbs. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I mean, you're, you're kind of sealed off you can avoid the rest of the world if you want to. Um, this way you're like, every day you go to the grocery store or wherever you go, you have to experience it. It's just a, it's a real gift. So I think that's probably the thing I'm continuing to work on 
and uh, we'll continue to work on. Joe, that's, that's so good. I, as somebody who's probably a few years ahead of you, uh, my, my son's, my oldest has already graduated from college and his, his master's program he's about to finish up is, is at Princeton Seminary. And his whole goal is not to be a pastor, but rather to work on peace and reconciliation at the national level. And a lot of that came out because I was intentional, my wife and I were intentional about having our children in very diverse schools where we had a lot of different cultures involved in that. And so kudos to you for being intentional about that because it really does reap rewards. Greg, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So Joe, how do people, if you're willing, how do people reach you? How do they find you? Uh, well, the fastest way is if you go to uh, Centric Consulting's website. So that's www.centricconsulting.com. And you'll, you'll actually find me on the leadership team out there. And my phone number and email is on there as well. And then we've got, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media stuff uh, you can access as well. Uh, but I would say that's the easiest way to find my contact information or, of course, go into LinkedIn and reach out to me as well. I, and I, I try to reach out back out to everybody. I think it, 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 so often people, they don't ignore folks, but they're like, I'm too busy. I, it's, it's good to have more friends in the world. Um, so I try, to, <laughs> I try to respond to everybody if I can. So I welcome awesome. that. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. And a very sincere thank you for you and your whole team at Centric for the commitment you've made to people to do things differently because I believe that what you do there is not just about Centric. It's about a ripple. And it's a ripple in the people, your team's lives, their families' lives, in the community, and I really believe in the whole world because everything affects everything. And, and mm -hmm. you're making a positive difference through Centric. Well, Jeff and Craig, thanks for having me. Uh, go Cartavera. Uh, congratulations on the launch. This Thank is you. exciting stuff, and I look forward to listening to lots of podcasts. All right. Well, thanks, Joe. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Enjoy the sunshine. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.